And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Hi James, it's uh, it's almost the regular season. Almost, 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 almost. What do you do? You want more preseason? I think that they should actually make. What if preseason was like half the year, and we just did this for months and months? Well, let me ask you about that. I'm glad you brought that up. This was not on the schedule. You're welcome. Anyway, you're welcome. Um, I've noticed, and and I don't. I, I'm going to look back right now at, at last year. But I think they've really taken a, a different approach with the preseason. I'm, I'm talking about the Leafs, obviously. Like, their top guys have barely played. Like, that was... We're recording this on Tuesday morning. Some of their top guys were playing for only the second time. And obviously, they've got a, a couple more games left. I wonder if, like... I don't know. Like, you think in the NFL, one thing that's changed. I know you're not really tracking this. But they've shortened the preseason. And... A lot of teams are like barely playing like their quarterbacks like and and it's it's shown a little bit early in the season like the quarterbacks haven't looked great some of them I don't so. think the Leafs played their big guys much the last couple years but if you go back 10 years then it, it's a little bit more but you're right it's not yeah it's a little bit more uh, it'll probably be three four games actually the, the Leafs and I know the Leafs don't like this they get they always end up with so many preseason games like they always have the most they always yeah, have this year yeah i think one year they had nine like it's yes. it's it's just bizarre but part of that is they if you're a season ticket holder they soak you for the price of those preseason tickets the home game ones you have to you yeah, have and, to buy and, those and to be 
fair, actually, this is not to be fair, but the game on Monday night was actually like a good game. Like there are lots of regular season games that aren't that entertaining and interesting. And, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I guess what's what's hard with with preseason where I want to go with you first. Uh, I'm just writing something for the athletic about camp and like what we've learned. You have to be like so careful with with camp and preseason because. As Sheldon Keefe has said repeatedly and likes to say, like this isn't the real NHL. Um, it it's hard to know what's real and what's not. Like some things we know are real. Like their power play looking great is not. It's going to look great in the regular season. Like I'm not unsure about that. But other stuff, I'm less sure. I guess. Well, so often what happens, Jonas, is you get really lopsided lineups. Like you get like one team's got yeah. their NHL lineup and the other team's got their AHL lineup. And it's like, you really have to look at the rosters to know what you're dealing with. And often the Leafs are sending like a kid roster on the road and then other teams are playing their, their top players. And like, you can't, you can't really look at, you know, like they blow the lead last night and whatever. And I mean, like you just, it's really, it's funny, you know, my wife was saying, "What what's this Leafs game you're watching? I thought the season wasn't started yet. And I was like, oh, this is preseason. And she's like, what's preseason? And it's like, well, they're just like practicing. And she's like, do, <laughs> do, do, people, do people usually watch practice games? And I was like, no, just like the, the sick people. And she was, and, and I was like, I'm watching it because like, this is my job. And like, we're going to talk about it on the podcast. And, but no, most people don't watch this. She was like, why are these even on TV? And I was like, well, because. There's enough Leafs fans that will watch it. Like, I wonder what the ratings are for the preseason games. I'm sure they're decent. I mean, yeah, I think there's a lot of people who are just like, wake me up when the, the actual season starts. But, I mean, this this camp, there's some stuff I want to get into. We'll talk about Timothy Logram. We'll talk about Nealander at center. We'll talk about Nyes. We'll talk about some cap stuff I know you're tinkering with. Um, but, yeah, like, it's 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 – it's not been the most interesting camp. Maybe that's because like we kind of know what the team is going to be. Well, I um, said to you yesterday, I'm working on this camp thing. And I was like, am I missing something or is this the roster? And it's like the exact roster we would have predicted on the first day of camp. Like I, I can't remember a year where it's exactly the same. The lines are the lines are maybe the same. Yeah, like that's that's part of it, James. Like it's not just that we, we kind of have a pretty good feel as, of who's going to be on the team. It feels like it's it's basically set what the lines and the pairings are going to be for the most part. Like there's not even intrigue about like who's going to play with Matthews. Like I thought there might be who's going to play with Tavares. Like kind of seems pretty clear where everyone's going to play and everyone's going to slot in. Obviously the injuries I think are like a factor that has kind of disrupted things. Like John Klingberg being out the last week, not great for a guy who's coming off some rough seasons and joining a new team and wanting to get comfortable like that hasn't gotten off to a very good start. Their defense, I think is as much a question as it like, I thought it was a question you and I thought it was a question coming into the camp. And now it's like, it's still a question and maybe a bigger question. All right. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, let's talk about it. There's been some people that have been pushing back on this idea that the defense is a concern because, you know, they didn't allow a lot of goals last year as a team. They were a good, defensive team overall and in the playoffs it was more generating offense that was a problem so, so I, I, some pushback that you see on social media is why is everyone worried about the Leafs defense we know that they were good last year uh, defense wasn't a problem in the playoffs why is everyone talking but, about but that's the, not 
that's not true. Like, I, I yes, like two things can be true. Like they could have had trouble offensively and also had problems on defense. Look at what happened in the playoffs with their defense. They had to move TJ Brody to the third pair. They couldn't play Mark Giordano. Remember, remember against Tampa, what like like the expected goals and like a lot of those like they were getting they couldn't fill, move they the could, puck. They couldn't break the puck out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but not only that, I think that the other thing there's there's two things. Yes, the Leafs were a really good team in goals against last year, and they have been for a couple of years, and they've been good at shot suppression. But it's a well coached team. The forwards are really good defensively, and they had pretty good goaltending last year. So all of those things help make the defense core look better than I think it it was. And also, you know, you lose uh, Shen, you lose Hall. Uh, they traded Sandine. I mean, the blue line's a little bit different, and I think the blue line's weaker. You know, with with Klingberg in there than it was last year. So, and I also think the forward group is weaker defensively. So I think it's fair to question where where they're at as a group defensively i think it's absolutely fair like i i just i can't get there and and i was reading uh the athletic has our leafs preview up today from dom and did shaning work on this one too Mm -hmm. um yep they do a great job it's it's a three-headed monster this year for the we're doing uh we do these giant previews and they're they're over three thousand words for every team and uh, because it's so much work, it's it's Shana and and Dom and Sean Gentilly uh, from Pittsburgh who are who are working on them. Well, so what I was going to say is is you know they make the point in the preview that like this is like a top ten defense, and I, I I'll quibble. I'm not sure I can get there. I think it was last like, year. I think, I think I it was put, last year. Sure. Yeah. And this year, I, we'll see what Klingberg does. We'll see if Lilgren takes another step. We'll see what McCabe looks like in a full season. We'll see if Brody and Giordano look older. Um, yeah, I it's think just like exactly you nailed it. Like there's so there's questions with with all these different parts that I don't know that you can really assume anything. Like it's not like this is like I don't know the defense from Tampa those years that went to back to back cups. Like I just I think see their defense is probably like tenth, eleventh, twelfth, like in that range is where I would put them. Actually, uh, the Athletic did a ranking of the defenses. Man, I'm just like plugging stuff like constantly here. Harmon had them like 14th, I think. He had them in the category. He had them as the best team in the category called middle of the pack. And that's, I think, pretty close to barring, barring like, you know, like I said, something that we're, that's surprising. Like if Lilgren emerges as like a really good top four defenseman, then that changes things. And and obviously like they've had the injury to Klingberg, Connor Timmons now seems like he'll be out a while. Like they're, but Klingberg is, is like, probably going to be ready to play. Right. Or do you, I don't know. He, like I, I, I'm careful to, to not assume anything. Like he hasn't been on the ice for a week at, that we know of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this like literally the start of camp and like yeah. So not if he's great. not on the ice in the next couple of days, then he probably misses opening night. Which I'm okay. Let's just get into this now. Which will cause them some issues, right? Can you kind of explain how that will work? Some people were kind of like, "Oh, the silver lining with Timmons is that you know he goes in LTIR and it buys us some more room." And it's not really because they didn't even have room to put Timmons on the roster anyway, with how close they are to the cap. So. Even if they sign Noah Gregor to a league minimum deal, which is kind of what I expect, they're so tight to the cap that if Klingberg is hurt, but not hurt long enough to go on LTIR, if he's hurt for like one or two games, the Leafs are probably in a situation where they start the year a player short just because of how close they are against the cap. 
Which means um, they might have to actually wait to sign Gregor and play yeah. defenseman. I haven't dug that deep into it, but I think that's like remember last year I was I think it was multiple times they used uh, an amateur goalie because of cap reasons, and they did it once the year before as well. Now the thing is they can't do that here because that would require either one of their goalies being hurt or one of their goalies going on waivers, which isn't going to happen. Like they're not going to waive wool to play an amateur goalie. So it means they would be a skater short if they play a player short. Anyway, I don't want to steal too much thunder from the story I'm working on, but that, that basically like if they have a minor injury where one of their, like they're only going to have a 20 player roster and that's all the cap space that they've got unless Klingberg's out 10 games, but it, it doesn't seem like that's the kind of injury that he's got. That's like the, the the worst thing for teams in their position who are so close to the cap is like day to day injuries. Like Cal Yarncroft is like day to day, and it doesn't especially like at the beginning of the serious. season. Yeah, especially right. at the like remember remember like part of the reason they had cap problems two years ago was because Matthews was injured at the beginning of the year, and you couldn't put him on LTIR unless you wanted him to miss ten games. So they were just kind of you know there's like eleven million dollar player that. I don't know. I think they should change the LTIR real rules. Like I think. I guess there would be some shenanigans. I think the players should have to miss a month, but that includes like training camp and preseason. Yeah, it's very weird. Like I, I was going to send you a message and I was trying to compare it to other sports and I didn't send you a message, but I was thinking like it, it's bizarre that a, a professional league would have its teams play short. Like I was thinking like it's it's not applicable to other sports. Like I was thinking like imagine if like a football team just had to play without like they had to play with one less defensive player. You'd be like, that seems bizarre. Or like, I don't know, an NBA team could only play with four guys. You'd be like, that doesn't make sense. Like, it's just weird that that's how it works, that a team has to play shorthanded for a game to get an exception. Like, Yeah, and I've I've railed against that. I've written about this a couple of times, and you talk to I, – I don't – you talk to, like, agents and, like, the player side of things, and they think it's kind of weird, too, that, like – in a lot of cases, the teams aren't able to. Like, what are they supposed to do if Matthews or remember last year Matt Murray was hurt at the end of the year after the trade deadline, and what are they supposed to do? Like, you know, they made a couple acquisitions at the trade deadline, they were at the cap, and then they didn't have enough money to have it have a, a backup goaltender play for them. So, I don't know. I think that they're. I think there should be a little bit more flexibility, but I, I think from the league's perspective, they're saying if we give them more flexibility, then they'll just like get even more tight to the cap. And but and, but and hang on, let's stop there because like isn't you're not doing anything against the rules by getting your team close to the cap, right? It's just a cap, and you're getting as close to it as you possibly can. So you're not doing anything against the rules. It is a sport where people get hurt. So shouldn't there be something built into that where? If you have like minor injuries and you've you've played within the rules, you spent to the as much to the cap as you possibly can. Shouldn't you have some sort of like flexibility where if there's like a day to day thing, you don't have to play shorthand? Like it's embarrassing for the league that they have to play an amateur goalie. Like that makes it look like a bush league. It doesn't look good for the league. I d- I don't I like maybe there should be some sort of like penalty that's not impacting the product. Like I don't know what that penalty would be, but something that's not embarrassing like that so they didn't used to have this rule and there were there were instances going back earlier in the the cap where teams were having to play with like 15 skaters and stuff and so they put in they put in a rule i 
I want to say this happened during the COVID situation. But the rule now is if you play one game, a player short, then you get an injury exception and you can recall a player who makes, I, I believe it's 800 grand or less, and it doesn't count against the cap. So, you know, the Leafs were doing the amateur goalie thing and then getting a recall after that. So why why do, why isn't there like a short-term IR thing where it's like... I guess they feel oh, like I know there's an IR with seven days, right? Like, why can't there just be some sort of flexibility for seven days? Because they feel injuries? like teams would just abuse it and just like... But is this good for the sport? Like, is it is it helpful to the sport? Like, the people who have argued for it that I've talked to around the league... You know, in other, including other teams that are competing with the Leafs, they say that you got to leave yourself a little bit of flexibility. You got like, you got to leave yourself like eight hundred grand of flexibility, and then you can carry an extra player. And that's the other thing yeah. too: is it like okay. when the Leafs go on the road, like they have a huge long road trip after the, they have three home games to start the year, and then they have a big long road trip. They might not be able to bring any extra players. So if someone gets hurt, um, you know, during the day or in the morning skate, and they're in. Carolina or Florida or Washington or whatever, they may just have to play short anyway because they don't, they're not set up to, uh, they're not going to be able to be bringing any extra players with them on the road. So you might get in a situation where you only have five defensemen. Yeah, I think that's a fair counterpoint. And, and I guess this gets to like when the argument is like, well, who cares? Ryan Reeves signed for 1.35 million. Well, it's like, well, if you had just signed like an $800,000 player who, is going to do the same thing or actually probably do more, there's your room, right? Well, they're, so I, I think they were trying, they took Samsonov to arbitration. I think they were trying to get Samsonov closer to 3 million. If you look at the, their cap situation, I think that they're, it's weird. Like they, they have a, they'll have a 20 man roster, but they'll have like 600 grand extra or 500 grand extra. So they're only like a hundred or 200 grand away from being able to have an extra player. <laughs> like it's, it's it's not like they're remember last year they went into the season four dollars from the salary cap. That's not really the where they are this year. That's interesting. Um do you wanna take a break and then talk about some of the camp stuff? Sure. I mean we we've, we've already been talking about camp, but let's dig deeper. All right, let's take a break and then we'll get into that. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Do you want to start with Lilligren? Are you okay with that? Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, sure. So I, I guess the thing is, it's hard to take too, too much out of it, but he just looks different. Like he just looks so sure of himself and confident. And one of the things like you would always notice in the past with Lilgren is like his decision-making could be like a little bit like a, he looked unsure of himself at times, hesitant. 
And that just seems to be gone. And, and granted, it's preseason. It's only been a couple games. Like it, It's not everything. But it, it feels like it's inevitable that he's going to be in their top four, like maybe even to start the season. I don't know. I think he should be. I mean, that's what I would do, especially with Klingberg having the injury. And we, even when Klingberg played, he didn't look like a... I think Klingberg, at the start of the year, put him PP1, put him on the third pair, and see if you can iron out his defensive stuff. And see if Lilgren can carry the mail. So do you like Lilgren playing with, with McCabe then? Yeah, I like that better than I do Klingberg. I mean, obviously, that was their intention coming into the camp to play King, Klingberg with McCabe. I think they they think that like McCabe can kind of be like a stabilizing presence for Klingberg. Mm-hmm. That's the way that they're thinking about it, which makes sense. I mean, Mark Giordano has had some issues, obviously, in the playoffs. And like, I don't think he's looked great in camp. So I, I get that. But Lilligren just, I mean, when a guy tells you with his play that maybe he's ready to take on more, maybe you just listen to him or you just have Klingberg on like a really short lease. No, I don't think, I think Lilligren's earned a look playing 20 plus minutes a night. And I think I said this on the podcast last week or two weeks ago that I think that the biggest potential positive factor for the Leafs blue line is if Logan takes the next step and can play 20, 22 minutes a night and be real, a good puck mover and, and solid defensively. And and we saw glimpses of that last year. It's just that I think you got to remember too, his season last year, like he, he has, he has surgery, he has a hernia surgery in camp. He misses training camp. He misses the start of the season, comes in cold, um, came out of the lineup at one point. It just seemed like he kind of lost his way towards the end of the season. They acquire some more players at the deadline and he just wasn't playing regularly. And when he wasn't playing regularly, he didn't he didn't look as good at the end of last year. Yeah, it really impacted his game. Like, I, I mean, it's kind of like, a, what is that? Chicken or the egg kind of thing? Like, is it because he stopped playing well that he fell out of the lineup? Or is it because... You know what I'm trying to say? He came into the lineup because there are all these other guys. Anyway, like if if you want to like quibble and like I, I've argued with Dom about this, you just watch what they do. Like they were unsure about Lilgren too. The fact that he was scratched a whole bunch, not just in the regular season, James. He was scratched like most, like half of the playoffs, basically, like yeah. most of the first round, and then he was scratched also in the second round. Like they weren't sure about whether they could trust him either. So the question marks were fair, but then you remember like he's just turned 24 in April. He hasn't played that many games. It's not crazy to think like this might be the time that he breaks out. Yeah. And this isn't about picking on Dom or anything, but all of the analytical models struggle sometimes with players like Lilgren who yes. dominate dominate third pair minutes. I mean, that we had the same thing with Travis Dermott. You know, it's yes. like, oh, you know, Dermott's clearly like a, a top four defenseman, look how good his numbers are. And it's like, yeah, but he's only playing on the third pair. He's playing relatively weak competition. He's getting really not playing a lot. And then lo and behold, and how old's Dermot now? I mean, and Dermot's had lots of injuries too. So I don't want to just say that, you know, I told you so or whatever on him because that certainly impacted his career path. But it's it's just easier to put up good results when you're in that third pair slot playing 16 minutes a game. Do you think there's going to be a way in the future to fix that so it's not so probably? I mean, I yeah. think it's a quality of competition thing, and like, I, but even that's flawed. Like, well, I mean, not if it's not if there's like one they come up with that's really good. 
Yeah. The, the thing that, that the analytics struggle with in hockey is just like some of the context stuff. And I some people yes. listening are going to think I'm out to lunch and think that there's ways to adjust for that. And there are ways to adjust for it, but I don't, there's, it feels like there's not a way yet to completely account for how often are you in the defensive zone and who are you on the ice with? And and I, I, I know that some of the, the, the war models and stuff like that try and include that stuff, but it still seems that they're really sheltered players. And I know, and I know from talking to people who work with NHL teams that that's what they say. The flaw with the public models are is they don't, they overrate players that are in sheltered roles basically. And they underrate players that are playing really difficult minutes. Yeah. I think that's the problem. Um, you mentioned Klingberg on the first power play unit. I was wondering, and this is something I mentioned in my story. Do you just kind of abandon that now? Or are you still like, like for now, like not forever. Well, what do they have left Jonas two preseason games? Yeah. And like, I would think the, the big, the, regulars only playing one of them Mm -hmm. so like i mean the power play looks so good in that montreal game yeah it's kind of like the tyson Berry situation where it's like you want klingberg like feeling good about his game and you want to like get some value out of this guy making four million and it's not like taking riley off that unit like riley's not going to be pouting about it and you're going to be able to use him more at even strength i think there's a lot of reasons why it's worth giving it a, a shot. I mean, who cares if the power play struggles in the first eight games of the season, Jonas? Like, does it really matter? Yeah, that's a, that's a fine point. And I honestly, I don't think it's going to struggle regardless. Like, I don't. If yeah, Klingberg's on it, if Riley's on it, I think it's going to be fine. So, yeah, that's a, that's a fair, it's a fair counterpoint. Um, some other notable stuff I think from camp so far. I don't know how long this Neander at center thing is going to work. What do you think? <laughs> I'm it's really too, dubious, man. It's, it's too early, Jonas. It's too, like, I, again, like, who cares about the first eight games of the regular season? I mean, this whole year needs to be in service to being a good team when it matters. And, the, like, the Leafs aren't going to miss the playoffs. There would have to be, like, some sort of catastrophe injury-wise for them to miss the playoffs. So, I think the time to experiment is is October. And I would stick with the Nylander at center thing for now. Even though, so as you, you say, would give it a you would give it a month kind of thing. Yep, I just think if you move away from it, then all of a sudden you're back into like is Camp our third line center, and how are we going to get any offense from the bottom six and et cetera, et cetera. Like I kind of like Nyes with Tavares and Lafferty. Like I can see, like I think that I do too. Yeah, I think so. You only get a third line that's that good if you play Nylander at center. In my opinion, I think that's all fair. I just have seen Sheldon Keefe in situations like this, not really be patient. Um, and with the way it's looked at times, again, like it's barely happened to your point. It's been like a couple games and some practices. I just wonder like if it, if it looks like it has for five games, is he really going to be like, yeah, I got to keep going with this. Like you really do need a long view in mind. But man, like, uh. there's only two games of results, but Nylander is second on the team in expected goals. I mean, it's like super small sample size, so it's kind of stupid to say this, but like the underlying numbers for him like are pretty solid. But again, yeah, I mean, but again, like if you look at that game against Montreal and you look at the expected goals, it looks great. But look at like how much time they spent in their own zone. 
mm-hmm. think the shots were like eight to two for Montreal mm-hmm. when that line was on the ice. They scored a goal. Like it just, yeah, actually, yeah, it was eight to two. Well, I'm a bit surprised that they're playing him with Domi because, and I know looking at some of the questions that we got from listeners, there's questions about one one question there, and I'll just ask it now because it fits into the conversation now. One question was, why has Domi bounced around so much? And a big reason is his defensive play is a, is a big time reason for that, that he hasn't stuck anywhere. And putting Nylander at center and putting him with Domi and I know that they want to have Yarncroft there when Yarncroft's healthy, but it's not really setting your center up for success if you've got a winger who's well known as a liability. Yeah, and that's like the downside of bringing him in, right? He kind of needs to be protected, and yeah, yet, like you can only protect so many players. And I, what do you think, like? expectations for him this season like how many points do you think is reasonable because like i think yeah like i think it's easy for people to look at his stats from last year and be like well he had 56 points 20 goals like i don't think he's going to come close to that he's not going to play anywhere near as much he's not going to get the power play time like do you think he gets 40 points do you think he gets 35 points no i think 40 i mean he's he's a very talented player i won't he's very good offensively i think if the leafs deploy him in the right way i mean the ice time I guess the counter to that is in Dallas. Like, what what was he? Do you, I don't know if you have it in front of you. How many yeah, minutes a game was he playing in Dallas? Like, that's a pretty good team. 16 minutes a game. He had seven points in 20 games. Okay. And he, and he played some center there, which I don't really think is going to happen unless there are injuries with the Leafs. But yeah, I think like 40, 44 points, something in there. I think the second power play, he'll make the second power play unit really good. If there's an injury... If there's an injury to one of the big guys, would he potentially be who would be on the top power play unit? I mean, it depends who's hurt. Yeah, maybe. Who would you move up there, Bertuzzi? Bertuzzi or Nyes, even honestly, like, or I mean, they might. Well, Domi's really good on the power play, though. Like, I think if you know if Nylander or Matthews or someone's out for a little bit, I would try him on that first power play unit, and then all of a sudden, you know, the points are going to start flowing for him. It is crazy, man. Like I saw him. Obviously, I've been around him through camp how much he looks like his dad. Like when you see him <laughs> up close, like it's like after the game last night, I was like, Oh my, Oh my God. Like he is like a spitting image of his dad. He's not built um, like Ty though. Like he's he kind of is actually, that's what I was thinking. He kind of is like, he's short and kind of stocky and stumpy and his yeah. legs, man are massive. Well, like you wonder, like one of the things you can notice about him is like his low center of gravity. If you see him without his equipment, like he's got like tree trunk legs. So that's anyway, that's that's apropos that's, nothing. That's the way genetics work, Jonas. Is that you? Is it your children inherit traits from <laughs> from their parents? Is that why your kids are both going to be super tall already? Super tall. My son for sure is going to be. I was walking down the street the other day in our neighborhood, and there was a this older gentleman on the sidewalk, and he's like, "He's going to be bigger than you one day." And it's like, "Yeah, I know. I know he's going to be bigger than me." <laughs> it might <laughs> be like next year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a few more things to get to before we take some questions. Actually, maybe not a few more. Let's see what my list says. Yeah, actually, a few more. Um, we mentioned Nyes. It just like looks exactly the same as it did at the end of last season. It's remarkable, like how comfortable he looks, and how, like he just makes plays. He, he plays so hard. Like he, I wondered, I left like a tiny sliver of my brain to the possibility, like maybe he'll 
struggle. Like he's never been at a training camp and then like gone, not happening. He's like, I think he's going to be a more important player for them than I came into camp thinking. What about you? Well, it's the same thing as when he came in late last year. And, you know, for me, the Leafs have had a lot of college players they brought in late in the year who had no chance of making an impact and looked really out of place. So there was some skepticism there, but it's not, not that's not what, like, Nyes came in and looked great right away, looked great in the playoffs, and he's not intimidated by the moment at all. You know, he, he just, he looks like an NHL player, which is a great sign for given how young he is. And, you know, what a, what a great pick that they made getting him as late as they did. Like that's a, that's a great, great second round pick. Cause I think now he's going to have a really long career in the NHL. Yeah. And I, I mean like even little things that they're doing, like they, they've been using him on the penalty kill. I don't know how, how real that is, but that just kind of tells you what they think of him. And like, he, he really seems to help Tavares. Mm-hmm. Which is like you mentioned that line. I think that line. I wondered, like, I was like, what, what kind of line is this supposed to be? Like, what is, what are they going to well, do? How is this? I like work? the way Nice plays, like, a, on the boards, and you know, yeah, he's, he's strong. Yeah, yeah. That was one thing that really stood out last year was that, and he's smart in those the the like small areas of the game. Like, I think Keith has said they put Lafferty on that line just to be a burner, like to help them get the puck down the ice. And then they want Lafferty to play straight lines, like just go to the net. I mean, you wrote you wrote a good piece about Lafferty that um, I, I got a note from someone around the team and they were like, great Lafferty story. I'm rooting for that guy. Like, I think there's a lot of people in the organization that think that there might be more there. They seem to really like him as a person. Um, I don't know. If you look at his history, like I was looking at it, like he didn't even really produce in the AHL. And now sometimes that can be a matter of a team not putting you in a role, like you're not on the power play and whatever. But most of the time, guys that can produce in the NHL are can beat up the AHL pretty good. Now, he only played... He didn't play a lot of games in the AHL. He played like 85 games in the NHL. I mean, he had, he only had 13 goals. But I think what the Leafs are seeing is that his his skating ability is is top six level. So can they work on his hands in the way that he generates offense? And, you know, your piece, I think, if correct me if I'm wrong, you pointed out he needs to shoot the puck more. Like, he just needs to be yeah. more involved in offense. You know, I think he's, he's one of those guys, kind of like Kerfoot a little bit, like is too much pass first, and he's got to just take the puck to the net. Well, I noticed in that game on, on Monday night, like he was – trying to shoot it when he got it and and i wonder if you think this comparison might work for him like i don't i don't think i don't think so because i don't think he's as good offensively but one guy who could really burn and and score a bit was michael grabner like Mm -hmm. i don't think he's as skilled as grabner but remember how many breakaways grabner would get and it's just like if if you could convert on some of those and you you look at the shorthanded goals he scored last year for chicago if he gets on the penalty kill like i wonder if he can get to like 15 16 goals I'm not like, I'm not confident about it, but I I think there's a chance. And I I think this is smart. Like that's what you should do. You shouldn't pigeonhole guys. I think that's one thing Sheldon Keefe does really well is he kind of keeps his ideas about players pretty open. Like that was one thing I think Mike Babcock was the opposite. Like he kind of made up his mind about what a player was very quickly. Whereas Keefe is like, maybe I can do this with a player. Like they got Kerfoot, he gets Kerfoot and he's like, maybe I'll put him on the penalty kill. And all of a sudden, like slowly but surely, like Kerfoot becomes like a really important penalty killer. And Kerfoot them. hadn't killed very many penalties, right? At all. Like he, yeah, at all. he, he was kind of like 
I remember, I remember him talking about that when they made that decision and he was kind of like confused. Well, not confused. Like he was, he was up for it, but he was also like, I don't know how this is going to go because I haven't done this very much. So that brings me to something else that I wanted to get to before we get to questions, which we will get to. Um, Matthews on the penalty kill. You kind of saw in that, in that Monday night game, like that was really the first time you, you saw a decent chunk. And again, it wasn't much. It was looking at the game sheet, a minute 39 on the penalty kill. You kind of said like the good and bad of it. The the bad was they got scored on like right away, basically when him and Marner were out there. And then the good was like he got a couple really good chances to score. Yeah, yeah. Do you like He's, it? Like, yeah, I, now that I you've do seen like it, it a little. Yeah, and I, I we I think he should be on the third penalty kill unit. You put it out there towards the end of a kill, and they're going to be able like so. What they used to do when he wasn't on the penalty kill is they would try and get a change and like get him out there after a penalty kill, right? And to right play away against, with like Tavares yeah, and yes, Yonder. yeah, yeah, and to try and take and and those shifts were often productive and and good. Um, but you can do the same sort of thing if there's a say there's a face off with 25 seconds left in the penalty. I mean, he's really good on the draw, so there's a good chance you're going to get the puck back, and then all of a sudden you're going to have the other team's going to be caught with, you know. Some of the, some of their maybe they'll have their second power play unit out there or something or or some players that Matthews could take advantage of and the only thing that was different in the game like I don't know that Matthews is going to kill penalties with Marner because I feel like Marner's should still be on the top unit but you can correct me if I'm wrong. Well, so that's a great question. I'm glad you brought that up. I do think if he does get on the penalty kill, it will be with Marner. Mm-hmm. I would I thought it would be like second time through for Marner. Okay. One thing like I, I, I've been waiting, trying to find a time actually I was going to ask after the game and just didn't. I'm starting to wonder if like they're going to use maybe Marner a little bit less on the penalty kill. Like I, I, I'm not sure what I've seen so far in camp. I'm not sure if it's just them trying out different guys. Like Noah Gregor was on their first penalty killing unit in that Monday game. And and I, I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I kind of wonder if they're just like, so let's okay. see all these different things. Let's see this through. Or, the so if it's yeah. not Marner on the top, what would it be? Camp and maybe it's yarn hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and maybe like that's a way to, I don't know. Like this is, this is something I've been like batting around in my brain. Like, are they just doing this to see different people because they need to see different people? Or are they going to say, you know what, let's maybe, cool it with Marner a little bit on the penalty kill like maybe we'll use him in more of a secondary role kind of ease him back Marner Matthews be, be the second penalty kill unit Do you think yeah like possible? maybe it could be I don't know like mm. that's that's the way they did it in the Monday game and I'm tempted to think that that's just them experimenting and wanting to give that some life because like if you're using Matthews and Marner let's say as like the third option in a, in a penalty kill in an exhibition game like you're not really giving it a chance right you know right that's what I, I thought know. too but but maybe not and then the other penalty killers would be Lafferty and Nyes, maybe, but you need someone to take a draw. Yarncroft's not very good on the draw. No. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they'll just bring Camp out again. Like that's typically what they've done in the past. Um, but man, like it's it's really interesting that, and you can kind of see it. Like Matthews doesn't look sure of himself or hasn't in the very brief times. He's never killed penalties before. Like not even at all. He said like before the NHL, like never. Do you remember when they asked him about it? What was that like three years ago or something? And I do remember what you're. He was to, like, yeah. yeah, I remember being there, and he he was like, kind of very dismissive about the idea of doing it. I think he's come around on it, but well, I wonder. I should ask. 
if he looked at like if you look at like McDavid is like a regular penalty killer for the Oilers and and gets some goals and offense from there and plays a role there. I wonder if he just says like that's a part of my game that hasn't been unlocked. Why why can't I do that? Why can't I help the team that way? And I mean, he'll get a few goals just by being on the penalty kill. Well, he he's elite defensively. I mean, he's one of the best 10 defensive forwards in the league. He just doesn't get a lot of Selkie votes because he doesn't kill penalties. So, yes. The thing you have to balance is he is he going to be playing less at even strength if he's on the penalty kill more and like that's that's what but if it's like a minute a game it's like a minute and a half right it's like a it's like a shift and a half right the last thing I want to get to um, is the Martin Jones situation I think we should talk about the goalie stuff in general yeah okay Keith was asked about where they're going to keep three goalies and because Martin Jones has played well they can't keep three goalies. They can't. Like, they don't have the cap space to do it. What do you mean? Maybe they'll just play five defensemen and have three goalies. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Martin Jones is, I mean, barring, like, if Klingberg's out and can go on LTIR, then yeah, they got the cap space to, to not do this. But Martin Jones is going to go on waivers here. Well, so let me, this is what I wanted to ask you. So, obviously, Tampa lost their starting goalie, Vasilevsky, for a while. The thought is, well, they're going to grab him. Maybe you just trade it trade him to Tampa. I'm not sure I'd do that. Like, I know you do get like, maybe you'll get like a late round pick, but do I really want to help Tampa? Like, isn't it, doesn't it make more sense just to let like maybe some other team who you're not competing with take him? Or is that overthinking it? I think it would have to be an asset. Like, why do I care about a six round pick or a fifth round pick? Probably doesn't make sense to give him to Tampa. I guess the counter is if you're going to lose him no matter what, then... I mean, you look something. at Tampa's situation, like, they don't even have a good backup there. Like, they, like... Jonas Johansson? Your, Johansson? Your, yeah. your buddy Jonas there yeah. is not, he's not very One of good. the brothers. Like, they didn't even, I don't know. They, they didn't even, doesn't seem like they even tried to put, like, a good backup situation in there. So, I think Tampa's probably, they're going to have their pick of a bunch of guys on waivers. So, uh, there's probably, there might even be someone better than Martin Jones, right? They could look at. Or maybe they want to get someone younger. I don't know. Like, if you want someone to start for a couple months, I would want Martin Jones just because he's played tons of games in the NHL. They have a good team. Yeah, but counterpoint, his numbers suck. So he's been great in the preseason, James. 939 save percentage. Oh, Jonas, come on. Sample size. Sample size. I do do think it, it will put more pressure on Joe Wall if, like, he inevitably gets claimed jones i mean it just will kind of raise i mean that was always going to happen at at some point but it just will add a little bit more pressure for him to perform in that role because you inevitably come back to that situation like they had a few years back where it's like oh they waived jones and jones is playing great for tampa and wall struggling but what can you do right it's i mean you were you were mentioning this like the goalie rules and training camp and waivers and all that stuff is really dumb yeah I don't. I don't think Wall should be eligible for waivers, but you know, like he's, he's barely, played like thirteen games. He's yeah, he's barely played. So I think that the goalies, the waiver rules for young goalies should be slightly different than skaters. But the CBA rules around waivers, in part, are influenced by the NHLPA, and they don't want teams to be able to stash players when they're twenty five, twenty six years old. You know, they want. You know, either either they have to be on the NHL roster or they get put on waivers, as we're seeing like hundreds of players put on waivers every day right now. 
they either have to be on the right. And, and we've seen it. Like, look at Ottawa. Like, they've been waiving first round picks that they've made. Um, there, there was a first round pick. Oh, the name is for some reason the name just escapes me. But they waived their first round pick from 2019 was on waivers the other day and got claimed. Yeah, know, yeah, it's tricky because, like you mentioned, um, you want players to have the opportunity to actually play and not be buried. But teams like you shouldn't get dinged for signing a third goalie and then having to waive him and then lose him. Well, because imagine a situation where Joseph Wool. If he was Lassie Thompson is the, I, I was going to say, I thought Lassie Johnson for some reason was what I was saying. Lassie Thompson is the player that, that, um, and Ottawa's got other decent prospects on waivers today that might get claimed today. So, um, I mean, if Wool was in the situation where, and this is, there's other teams that have this with their third goalie where they're waiver ineligible, then they could just move Wool back and forth. They could even just bring him up for a start and then send him back down, right? Like they, they could work him into like, like, look at like Carolina's got the three headed goalie monster. And I believe, uh, Kochnikov is, uh, I believe he's waiver exempt and they can just bring him up when they want to play him. This is what they did last year. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if Walt didn't require waivers, wouldn't Jones be the backup? Yes, like, for sure. And then if there was ever an injury, like if, you know, or whatever, if there's anyone on LTIR, then you bring Wall up, you know, so. Or you bring them up like a for spot duty. Should we just like send like some some notes to the NHL? Just suggest like just send them an idea package and rules no, that I'm, they. I'm should sure. Implement? I'm sure Gary and Bill Daly are listening to the show every week, so we probably don't <laughs> even need to do that. Oh boy! All right, uh, let's take a break and let's get into some questions. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, James. uh, We are recording this on, is it Tuesday? Yeah, so only two preseason games left. Just about a week until the regular season starts for the Leafs against yeah. Montreal. Training camp's going, uh, they, they always do like kind of a retreat. So this week the Leafs are doing a retreat. Are we allowed to say or is it top secret where they're going? No, you can say no. You can say? Yeah, they're going yeah. up to, they're in going to Muskoka, which is something they've done. I I haven't gone on the Muskoka trip. They've done it a few times now, but... Um, I miss when the Leafs had used to have training camp in Halifax or St. John's, Newfoundland, or it was it was fun to some of my favorite memories of covering training camps with you. We would be in like Newfoundland or Halifax or something. Yeah, that Newfoundland trip was so great. The fish and chips awesome. were just a plus. <laughs> the people were so nice. I wish I could go back. Yeah, yeah, and the Leafs alumni had their game there, and then they were partying in the bars on George Street there until like three in the morning. So. Uh, it's a memory I will never forget. Um, Victor. Victor wants to know, he says the Leafs took heat for their draft recent draft picks, Fraser Minton, Easton Cowan, but they've looked pretty good during preseason. Are you surprised? Should fans reconsider their angst at the picks? Did you think fans had a lot of angst over those picks? Maybe I just didn't pick up on that, but I thought that those picks were fine. I mean, I, I'm I not guess sure the criticism of Cowan was that it was too early to pick him. Yeah, and I always honestly really hate that because it's like it's too early based on projections by other people. Like you're, the team has their own list; it doesn't have to go based on if you're if a team is drafting based on like projections by outside people. I don't know that they're doing their job. Like they should they should be drafting based on who they think is good and not good. But I will say, James, like I, I, we can't say anything about those picks. Like, who knows if those guys are going to be good? It's way too soon. Like, a couple preseason games is not really, yeah, it's not really tell me that they're going to be great players or good. Well, players. I saw Minton at the Memorial Cup. It was out in the Memorial Cup. You know, he plays for my hometown team, and and I he wasn't really that noticeable in that tournament. And so, you know, you just got to be careful with small sample sizes. You know, he's only nineteen years old. He was a thirty eighth overall pick. Normally, second rounders. Even early second rounders take a little bit longer. I mean, I don't. I don't think we're going to know what Fraser Minton is for like another four years. Yeah, I mean, look, like we were just talking about Timothy Logan. He was drafted in seventeen. Right? Yeah. That's like in six Chicago. years ago. Yeah, was, yeah, right? drafted. Yeah, yeah. And like, you think Nick Robertson was Nick Robertson nineteen or eighteen? Nine. Mm, yeah, nineteen. And it's four years later, and we're still like, oh, maybe. Do you think he like? Did you, do you, have you liked his camp? By the way. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that he his skating looks a little bit better again. Um, I think he's right there, but I, I I just think he's missed so much hockey that you put him and and with the cap situation, you put him in the HL, play the play the crap out of him, and uh, he'll be ready when the opportunity comes. Stewart wants to know why does Keith insist on playing Matthews with Marner? 
Matthew should be good enough to play with non-star players. Playing Marner with Tavares would create a strong second line. Having three strong lines with Nylander anchoring the third would seem to eliminate the lack of balance they have every postseason. It's because he wants a line that he can play against the best players in the world on other, you know, it's a, he wants Matthews and Marner together because they, not only do they produce elite offense, but they produce elite defense and he can trust them to play against anybody. And it's just not going to be the case with a, a Tavares or a Nylander centered line. He wants to have one line that he feels like this line can, is going to beat any, uh, anyone I put them against. Yeah, but like uh, the only thing I would say, James, is like if you look last year, Marner and Nealner basically played with Matthews equal amounts. Like he wasn't against doing it, and I and I do think to the point of the question, like they might be a stronger team that way. Like because I, I still think like if you played, I guess the problem would be if like you played Bertuzzi and Nealner with Matthews, like eh, you're you're asking a lot. Mm-hmm. But maybe if you played like Yarncroft and Neander with Matthews, or I don't know, I don't know who, who what that combination is. But maybe you can get a better team. And yet, like if Tavares, Lafferty, and Nyes can be an effective line, maybe you can make it work. And you don't need to use Martyr there. Like it's not like the Martyr Tavares thing has been amazing. Like the numbers are actually better than I thought they were. I mean, the the Neander with Tavares numbers during the regular season last year are fine too. Like the like the underlying numbers. They were like yeah. 53, 54%. Like it's not like they just get outscored all the time. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I think the thing too is you people should think of the Tavares line as the third line, I think. Or just think of it like you have two second lines. Like I don't I mean, James, they've like signaled it themselves, like the way that they yeah. just do it at And the thing that Keith said that, you know, I mean, people are gonna say like eleven million dollars, he's the captain, he's on the third line, but Keith's like they he was asked about this at one point and he's like Tavares doesn't care. Like, t- Tavares is just about, he just wants to win. He doesn't care what line he's on this year or who he's playing with. Yeah, like, it would be a big win for them if they didn't have to play either guy with Tavares and, like, he could be effective and that line could be effective. That would be great for the depth of the team, right? All right. Joshua Cloak asked a question here for the podcast. He said, who's going to make better music choices on the drive to Muskoka? Cloak or Seagull? And then in brackets, he said, no tool allowed. I think you should mix in one tool song. Did you, uh, did you see Cloak's list for the goal song? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't know what half that stuff was. Yeah, I think he went, his, some of his cuts were a little too deep. Well, he's like a music, uh, he's, he's kind of an, fancies himself a artsy music guy, right? Like he, he used to write about music. Yeah, he has written books, yeah good book about the tragically hip if you're interested isn't he into like indie music yeah he likes punk like a lot of those songs are punk like i thought he i don't think he got enough of the hits like if you're gonna do a goal song it's got to be like a hit it has to be like super knowable and catchy and i listened to some of them and i was like i cannot picture this being played in a yeah. after a team scores a goal but <laughs> yes I maybe mean, better do you get like uh parabola by uh by tool in there that's a that's a, that's got a, a nice uh start to it you guys listen to that on the way to the on the way to muskoka don't listen to josh don't let him uh actually tool's going to be in toronto they're doing two shows in november i will be there will you go to both no because i would but their set is too similar they don't change their set enough even when they do back-to-back shows in a city they change like two songs so and the tickets are very expensive like it's it's like 
well north of 200 bucks to go to the show. Um, all right. Sean wants to know, and we sort of already talked about this, but I think it's worth saying again. Sean says, does the Timmins injury help the Leafs sneak under the cap to start the season? Any chance they keep all three goalies? I, I don't see it. The, the reason Timmins going on LTIR doesn't help them is that Timmins wasn't on the roster projections to begin with because they didn't have the cap space for his salary. So the only thing that Timmins being hurt helps is they get to keep Timmins, if that makes sense. They don't have to put Timmins on waivers, which is where they were at before he got hurt. But it yes, doesn't help which, them keep three goalies. I guess they could not sign Gregor and keep three goalies and have... I mean, <laughs> and just play with 11 forwards and really 10 forwards. Yeah, I don't see that. I think they're just going to try and sneak Jones through. And if they don't, then they'll have to trade for another goalie or claim someone on waivers during the season. Yeah, it gets a little dicey, James. Like their third goalie would be like, would it be Petrozelli? I guess. Hildebeest? <laughs> he looks pretty raw, doesn't he? I mean, he's, he looks, it's funny, their, their, their depth young goalies now are huge. Hildebeest, Hildebeest is like six seven two forty or something. Like he's just a monster. And Petrozelli is really tall, but uh, he's uh, team lanky. Uh, Mark wants to know, James and Jonas, give us your opening night lineup predictions. Does Gregor get signed? Does Robertson get sent down? Does Yarncroc traded for cap space? A lot of people are saying that. I don't think that's going to happen either. I mean, I think yeah, the I lineup think is the lineup is what what it was early in camp. It's it's Bertuzzi, Matthews, Marner, uh, Nyes, Tavares, Lafferty, uh, Domi, Nylander, Yarncroc. Likely Gregor, as as long as the cap situation's there to do it. Gregor, Camp, and Reeves, and then on the back end, you've got uh, Riley, Brody, McCabe, Klingberg, and uh, Giordano, Lilgren. And the, the goalies are going to be Wall and Samsonov. There's your 20-man roster. That's the room they have against the cap. And uh, injuries could still monkey with that. I could see a situation where they can't sign Gregor until maybe after the first game with that rule that we talked about. you got to play a player short in order to be able to... I could see that potentially being the way that it plays out. Yeah, I've liked Gregor. Like, I think he makes sense at the bottom of the lineup. I think he can Do you know the criticism of him, though, that's out there? What's that? The criticism of him uh, talking to people from San Jose and the reason they didn't give him a qualifying offer is that amazing feet, mediocre hands. Like he gets a lot of, he's one of those guys that gets a lot of chances and he hasn't been able to convert on them. And they ended up, they were, they were frustrated with him late in the year where, you know, their roster got hollowed out um, as they felt the bottom of the standings and he got lots of opportunity, but he wasn't able to convert. I mean, he did have 10 goals in 57 games. Like it's not a lot, but it's not nothing. And they're terrible. Like a, a lot of missed opportunities is is the way that it was viewed out there. And the question is, does he have NHL level scoring? Like, what was his, what's his shooting percentage in career in the NHL? Well, he's played like two hundred games. He hasn't scored a bunch, so probably not very high. I'll pull it up right now. It is so he has twenty six goals on three hundred and sixty eight shots, seven point one. That's low. Like that's. That's not a very good shooting percentage in the NHL. So that's the question with him. It's the same thing with Lafferty. You know, I bet you Lafferty's shooting percentage is not that great, although he doesn't shoot very much. But I just know talking to people uh, around the team in San Jose is that 
tons and tons of opportunities and wasn't able to convert. But if you're using him eight minutes a game and he's playing on your penalty kill two of those minutes, um, does it really matter? It's funny a team like San Jose wouldn't qualify a guy like that. Like he's not that old. Yes. Like what's the that's plot? what's bizarre, right? Like why not just I, keep him? Like and I'm looking at their lineup teams. They have a lot of like older players. What are like what what's the point of that? Well, I think that what they can do, like they get Duclair and whatever, is they can. And I, it's yeah, the same. Flip those guys. Yeah, you just you play them and flip. But why couldn't you play Gregor in your top six and just have him put up 15 goals and then flip him? I mean, you always need do need to be a little bit wary when like, I mean, Simone Benoit is probably another good example when a bad team chooses not to keep a player around like it always is like a red flag right that's another guy that didn't get a qualifying offer right yes yeah it is it is a bit of a, a red flag for sure however they can those teams can be wrong as the Leafs saw with michael bunting yeah no kidding eh um bunting's on the first line in carolina so that'll be interesting sean uh wants to know uh matthews has the 10th best rating on nhl 2024 which if you don't know jonas is the video game Last year, okay. he was second. What are your thoughts on these ratings, and do the players pay attention to them or care? I mean, there's some guys that are gamers that know the ratings, but I think in some other sports, I've seen it. Yes. Where like they the NBA guys or, or like or the NFL guys, sometimes they get like upset with what their rating is. I, I haven't seen yes. a lot of that in hockey. Well, let me see. So I'm looking. Do you CBS for your, your fantasy sport no, needs? No, I'm always a Yahoo guy. Always. It's not, it's not the best. CBS. Yes, I I like Yahoo, but maybe it's, I'm a creature of habit. I ran a hockey pool for a long time. Uh, I was the I was the commish. I think when I had kids, I stopped being the commish. I just I didn't have time for it anymore. Um, and when I but ran so, a pool, it was always it was always a Yahoo situation. They do they do a good job. Yeah, I think they're better than CBS. But anyways, CBS has Matthews for 53 goals and 47 points. I did not mean to set it up this way, but uh, we had the athletic uh, NHL. We had a fantasy draft on Sunday night, and I had the third overall pick. And guess who I picked? Did you take Matthews? I took Matthews. Yeah, Drysaitel was also available, and I was very That's close to a little dicey man. I you, might have taken Drysaitel. I don't yeah. think he's better, but he well, puts up so many points. The other thing is that Drysaitel has more position availability. Matthews was only a center, and Drysaitel has left wing and center, so. I thought, you know what, I'm going to be watching every single Leafs game. It's it's pretty close between the two. I do think Matthews is going to have a big bounce back season. Um, but I and they were calling me a homer in the chat because I also drafted Nylander. I got him with, I think I got him with like my fourth pick. He fell for some reason in the draft. I don't really know why. Uh, and I also took Samsonov. So I have three Leafs on my, I, it's a 60, wow. we were drafting 16 players. Um, they actually posted our teams. So... Um, my strategy, and people can critique this if they want, is um, I thought defensemen were being picked too high, so I didn't pick any defensemen until towards the end of the draft. Uh, so my defense is not very good, but my goalies, I have Allmark and Samsonov for my goalies. I, I feel like I'm stacked in goal, and my forward group is is very, very strong. So what worries me for you is Drysaddle gets so many power play points. So guess how many points on the power play Drysaddle had last year? Just guess. I know, but what they what Edmonton did on the power play last year is like not they're not going to be able to repeat that. Like their Why? numbers because because it's it's unsustainable. Look at some of like the underlying numbers on that. Do you think I'll bet you like do you think Drysaddle's going to have as many power play points this year as he had last year? I mean, I'll take that bet with you any day. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, if you look a year back, Drysaddle had 41. Who? I mean, who's to say Matthews isn't going to get a lot of power play points? He doesn't really get as many as you think. Like two years ago, even also that goals are goal worth year, more than assists, and shots on goal matter. And I don't know. I, I feel like shots on goal matter. What kind of league is this? Anyway, that's pretty. Co- that's pretty common in a Yahoo pool. I'm pretty sure shots on goal are in our pool. I'm pretty. I'm pretty certain of that. So he was in the in the ratings. He was right with Drysaddle. Like it was like very close. So I think if Matthews has good. like a sixty goal season, I'm in good shape. Okay, well, I think he will. I also have Bar- I have Barkov on my team, and I have uh, I got I got I got some good players. It's the pool's gonna be crazy because it's like Dom and Shayna and Marat and like like it's like all these people that are like. There are people that like do fantasy coverage for a living. I'm trying to go against. Wish me luck. Good luck. Preliminary ranking said I had the fifth best team, so we'll see. I'll keep you updated throughout the season. Uh, Matt wants to know. This is a question for you, Jonas. Uh, you said the team has been loose in training camp. Uh, oh, Matt says, how has the surrounding media and fans been from your perspective? I don't know. It doesn't seem like the fan base is that uptight. I think there's some apathy. What's it? What, what's yeah. the media? What's the media environment around the team? Like it has, they haven't been. I would say the coverage has not been like negative. I haven't seen people like taking shots at the Leafs or anything. Yeah, you know the only thing I, I was thinking about James is in another sport. I think, I think there would be a lot more looking back at what happened last year and what happened in the summer. And I don't think that there's been very much of that. And and I get it. Like I don't know that that's something that. What about fans more analysis really of want? the playoffs? Right. Like I guess it just feels like it's been picked over so much. Like we've talked about it so much that to continue to talk about it now ahead of another season might be like overkill or or feel like overkill. But it is a little strange that it, there isn't more that angst. And yet for the team, it's probably a good thing. Like it's it's. We have seen them in the past where they were, remember a couple of seasons ago where they were like, we're going to make the regular season really matter and we're going to take this really seriously. And it was like, it was a little tight just because mm. they were putting so much, they were building so much into the regular season and they wanted it to be that it to be a good lead into the playoffs. And it's felt a little different this year. And I don't know if that's bad. I don't know if that's good. I guess we'll find out, but it does feel a little different and it doesn't feel like there's as much looking back to last year. Okay, let's go lightning round with just a couple more. Uh, Brian wants to know: Has anyone's stock fallen during preseason? Anyone you think who's who's taken a step back based on what they've done? That's no one. There's no one that really comes to mind for me. I mean, maybe Klingberg. Kling. I mean, Klingberg didn't play that much, but I didn't like the game that he played. No. Yeah. I, I, for sure, him. It didn't start great for Benoit. Reeves hasn't looked Reeves. very good. Wow. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how that uh, goes. I haven't like loved the Bertuzzi Matthews Marner fit. Like I think Matthews and Marner look like they always do great together. But I'm gonna be watching that one. Well, give him a month, I would say. Uh, yeah. Curtis says, "What are realistic expectations for Wool this season? Do they do a sixty forty split in goal, or is it more of a backup role for him? I think that if it's gonna depend, if Samsonov is good, I think he's probably gonna they're gonna play him like a lot. He's gonna play fifty five games. It's gonna depend how how well Samsonov plays." And it'll depend on how well Wall plays. Like, 
what do you think? Like a nine, ten save percentage, probably like I about would, there. That would be that great. Ballpark. If he does that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, save percentage. I think that's above average now because save percentage has come down so much the last couple of years. Yeah. I think if he can be a nine, ten and play thirty games, I think or thirty five games, I think you're pretty happy. Uh, James wants to know: Does Tree Living have any deals cooking? I'm sure he's going to look at defensemen all year. Like that's the thing with us talking about the blue line. I'd. I wouldn't entirely rule out them making a trade for a defenseman in like November or December. Yeah, I'll still be keeping an eye on like Hannafin and some of the mm-hmm. guys in Calgary. Because Especially if Calgary like falls there. out of the playoff race, then yeah. Yeah, and like a bunch of those guys are pending UFAs. Like Zadorov is like pending UFA, but he mm-hmm. like, he makes, as you've pointed out, some of these guys make mon- like a money. Like you're going to have to send out money to make the deal work. Yeah. So, yeah. Here's a good one for you, because uh, I know you and I have talked about this not on the show. Steve says, why is no one talking about the possibility of Mark Giordano being finished? He slowed down at the second half of last year. Uh, the D needs improvement, as it will be in trouble if he continues regressing. Add less than stellar play or an injury or two, and they have a real problem. Yeah, I think it's like a very legitimate question. Yeah. Yeah. Because what happens with these situations is like, it just happens like very suddenly usually. Like it's not really gradual. It's just like all of a sudden a guy can't play. Remember like, we've seen it so many times here. Like all of a sudden, like Simmons just couldn't play. He couldn't be in the lineup. Clifford couldn't play. Couldn't be in the lineup. Thornton couldn't play. It just, Spezza, like Spezza even, Marlowe, like, yeah, he was just like out of the league. It just like happens very rapidly. And I'm going to be like, I'm curious to see how that plays out early in the year, how it plays out through the rest of camp. Well, I mean, I mean if he's not good, they can always put him on waivers and he can go to the Marlies and, or he can decide to retire. I mean, it's, it's possible. I think you just, don't you just dial his minutes way down? Like they played him so much last year. Like he should just, they just, they just have to play him like 12, 13 minutes a game. Although yeah, some guys like what I was writing in my story, like, but, do you just like last year it was 19 a game. Like you, that's crazy. Well, when he was I mean, in the he top was fine. four, like he played pretty well. But when he was in the top four and they had injuries, he played really well. Like it was shocking how well he played. He was one of the people that saved them when they had so many holes on the blue line last year. But by the end yeah. of the year, it was he didn't have anything left. The problem is, like, if you're not playing him, who are you playing? Yeah, Legas and Benoit or Lejoie. Lejoie, yeah, like those are those are just guys. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Especially when you're so tight that you can't carry an extra defenseman because of the cap and Timmons is hurt. You know, in an ideal world, Giordano's not in your lineup every night. But the thing I was going to say, yeah. Jonas, is that sometimes guys like him who have been, you know, like Norris Trophy winners and played big minutes, it's sometimes they can't adjust to playing 12, 13 minutes a game. Like it's just not, they're not able to do it at a high level. I'm glad you mentioned that because he actually brought that up about the playoffs where all of a sudden his minutes were getting way scaled back deservedly so like he just couldn't keep up and he found that really difficult like suddenly he was playing eight minutes he's never done it he's never he's done literally it. never done it yeah it would be hard i can't imagine just sitting on the bench so much and then you get out there and you get like you, you, you're not feeling the puck and yeah uh one last one william wants to know does lawrence gilman still work for the leaves yes he does i'm not 100 percent sure what his role is but he is back this year i think i believe he's back with like as the gm of the marley's or whatever or no, Hardy's the GM. Hardy's right? the GM of the Marlies. He's involved with the Gilman last year was involved with the Marlies. So the, the, I think the front office is still in flux. I think there's gonna be there's gonna be more changes 
but you know, some of them might come next year or whatever. Indeed. All right. Uh, so I can't remember what our schedule was. We have a schedule now. Okay. Well, I think the, we're next the, Tuesday actually. Yeah. Well, the season opens on Wednesday, right? So we got to get something out before that. Yeah. So that would be Tuesday. Huh? <laughs> or Monday. No, I have us scheduled for October 10th. Okay. But we got to get it out. We got it's going to not going to have a shelf life, so we got to get it out early. This is behind the scenes chatter that you're supposed to keep behind the scenes. No, James. people want to hear this stuff. Yeah, it's cool. All right, uh so go to theathletic.com/safereport, sign up. We've got lots of stuff for our camp. Um lots of other sports obviously as well. The Jays are in the playoffs. We'll see how long that lasts. Uh, that's it. Anything else? No. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>